Well, good morning. It's good to be here. It's good to be with you. I'm glad you're with us. We've got a lot of guests with us today and a lot of family members, and we are so glad you could be with us today. As Brother Danny mentioned in the prayer, we just finished a fantastic week last week with Ralph Walker, walking us through some lessons about fellowship, so valuable to each of us. And we really appreciate the good work that he did. And as we know, this is Mother's Day. This is an important day for all of us moms that are out here. Moms that sometimes are on the, already the other side, but we remember their lessons and how important that is. I like the story of a mother who had three teenagers. And somebody went up to her and said, if you could do this all over again, would you do it again? She said, certainly I'd have children again, just different ones. <laughs> and oftentimes on Mother's Day, we talk about moms of the Bible we talk about parenting, we talk about the family, just bedrock biblical lessons that help us that we need to understand. But today we're going to go a different direction. We're going to begin a series today to talk about the idea of identity and to look at some things the Bible says in the next three Sundays as we talk about this concept of who I am. Identity is essential as we think about our walk with Jesus Christ. Our identity defines both our purpose and our value. The man one day was at the airport and there was a problem. Flights were canceled everywhere. And there was a long line getting rebooked. And a man cut in front of a lot of people and said, I demand to be on the next flight and in first class. And the one weary ticket agent said, Sir, I will get you the best I can, but there's all these other people I have to help first. The man cut in there again, speaking real loudly, Do you know who I am? Without skipping a beat, the ticket agent got on the microphone and says, Ladies and gentlemen, attention in the airport. Please come to gate 17. We have a man here who does not know who he is. And sometimes that's where it is in our society as we think about this concept of identity. There was a time when we used the word identity and we would talk about putting your name in the book or on your backpack. You remember the movie Toy Story? Woody had on the bottom of his boot the name Andy. He belonged to Andy. And then there was a time when we talked about identity, we talked about identity theft. Someone's trying to claim who you are so they can steal from you. But now, in our culture, we have identity confusion. Who am I? And what am I? And so this morning we're going to begin looking at some lessons to talk about this. This has made major problems in school systems and in corporate America. It's put disciples in difficult positions. We're real unsure how to address these subjects. It makes conversations very difficult, and it makes a lot of things very hard in our society just knowing what to do. You say the wrong pronoun, and you might lose your job. This has entered mainstream churches today. Methodist Church in Lakeland, Florida has hired a drag queen to lead their worship services. And what we're seeing is liberal policies today are allowing children to make that decision for themselves. Life-altering surgeries, hormone therapy, just to change who I am. And so we begin this idea of what we call gender dysphoria, dissatisfaction, unhappy with who I am. 
The World Health Association says this, gender identity refers to a person's internal and individual experience which may or may not correspond to their sex or their birth. Currently, there are at least 112 different genders. I have no idea how you get that number, but that's where it is. And so what we're going to look at the next three Sundays, Lord willing, we're going to talk about discovering who I am in Christ Jesus. And we're going to look at some basic passages here. We need to start in Psalms 8 here in just a minute. Get your Bibles open there. We're going to read a section of that. Then, Lord willing, next week we're going to talk about my purpose is designed by God. Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? Is that the guy with the most stuff is the most successful? And then we're going to talk about my destiny with Christ. In Christ, by Christ, with Christ. That's the concept we're going to look at as we see these things. And hopefully this series will be helpful for us as we walk through some of the delicate areas where our culture is today and look at some of these things. We begin, first of all, by understanding that a person gets their identity from one of three places. One is from the world that they live in today. My personal happiness is the goal. And so who I am is based upon how the world defines me. And so for some people, when they look at this, they are defined by their occupation. Who are you? I am a coach. Who are you? I am a preacher. Who are you? I'm a doctor. Who am I? I am a plumber. And that describes who I am. Now, the problem with that is what happens when you're no longer doing those things? You get kind of lost. You start talking to past tense. I used to be a coach. I used to be a preacher. I used to be a doctor. Well, who are you today? I'm not real sure. Others define it by their relationship. I am a mother. I am a grandmother. That defines who I am. Some define it by their ability. I am a golfer. I am a fisherman. I am a musician. I am an artist. And that describes who they are. Some by their successes. I have a master's degree, I have a PhD, I've got this award, I've got this award. And some describe it by their failures. I am divorced. I didn't make the team. I didn't get to do these things. And so when we look in our Bibles, we need to appreciate how important it is as we consider some of these thoughts. In the book of Judges, chapter 21, three times in the book of Judges, this statement is made. This ends the book of Judges where it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Whatever makes you happy, do whatever it takes to be happy. No rules, no right, no wrong. I was driving about the other day and commercial came on the radio as I was driving. It's for Legos. Legos, the little blocks they make for the kids. It says, build a tower that falls down, that's okay. Make a rainbow dinosaur. There is no right, there is no wrong. And that may be true with Legos, but that's a philosophy a lot of people have today, that there is no right and that there is no wrong. Tom Brady, after he won three Super Bowls, I don't know how many Super Bowls he won. I think he won more than he has fingers. But, but after he won three Super Bowls, someone was re, uh, interviewing him, and he says, there's got to be more to life than this, simply this. And that is something we need to see. Secondly, people identify themselves from within themselves. Uh, they're connected to their inner feelings. Slogans such as, listen to your heart, be true to yourself, only please yourself. You know, there was a time in our country 
where we would make this statement that you can do anything you want to do. Doesn't matter your background, you work hard, you go to school, you can launch a company, you can start a business, you can do whatever you want to do. And when you think about that, some of the major companies in America started in garages. Look at these names, Apple, Google, Amazon, Harley-Davidson, Disney, Mattel, they all started with one person's idea in a little bitty garage. But what's happened is, We've changed that slogan. It's no longer you can do whatever you want to do. The slogan now is you can be anything you want to be. And that's not really what the Bible says. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, the heart is more deceitful than all else. As desperately sick, who can understand it? You see, our feelings change. And our feelings can be misled. And our feelings can be influenced by others. This is the major, major danger of letting the child decide, we're going to let you grow up and decide whatever gender you want to be, or we're going to let you change your gender and not even tell mom and dad. This is something that came out on the news recently, the Louisville News. U.S. Department of Labor said in the report that 10 McDonald's in the Louisville area let more than 20 children under the age 16 work longer than allowed. That includes two 10-year-olds who weren't paid, sometimes had to work as late as 2 a.m. They prepared food, cleaned, worked the drive-thru, register. One was allowed even to use a deep fryer. In this report, the Wage and House Division District Director said this, Under no circumstances should there ever be a 10-year-old child working in the fast food kitchen around the hot grills, ovens, and deep fryers. Under no circumstances. But we'll allow that 10-year-old decide if he wants to be a boy or a girl. And maybe go through some life-changing processes that cannot be reversed. On average, 70, 50 to 75% of college students aged 18 to 22 change their majors at least once before completing their degrees. I told my kids, you can change it all you want. Just don't do it your last semester of your senior year. Let's get this thing done first. Let's get this thing done early. But once again, that just reminds us of how serious we're, we're hearing things in the news today. And how liberal policies are wanting people to say, let this 10-year-old, let this 12-year-old decide for himself, not telling mom and dad, and these things may alter him for future. The third source of our identity and where we're going to look at today is from what God says, from the Bible. Let's turn our Bibles now to Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8. And let's begin reading some things it says there. Psalm chapter 8. The psalmist says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your adversities, adversaries to make the enemy the revengeful seats. When I consider your heavens, verse 3, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you've ordained, what is man that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? 
Yet you've made him a little lower than the angels. You crown him with glory and majesty. You make him rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The psalmist asked this. When you look at this created world, what makes us so special? And the book of Genesis answers that. In Genesis chapter 1, we see that it was God who determined what would exist. You and I may have some questions about these. I don't, I don't still see the value of mosquitoes, but God had a purpose for them. He created them. And God determined what these things would, why they would exist. The trees, it says in verse 12 of chapter 1, were to bring forth seeds. Verse 14, the solar system was to bring forth light and mark, mark time. Verse 22, the birds and the fish were to multiply and fill the earth. God determined what would exist and why they would exist. And then when you get down to verse 26, he talks about mankind. And here I want to see six divine statements that God makes about mankind. He says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Number one, God made you. God made you person who denies this denies the inspiration of the Bible. person who denies this page might as well deny the last page of the Bible. God is the one who made us. In our image, according to our likeness, let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the animals, it says. And then the second concept we see here is that God made, he didn't just make us, he made us like him. In our image, God made us. He didn't make us in the image of an animal. He did not make us in the image of a tree. We are made in the image of the divine. Who am I? I'm made by God. What makes me different than all the animals? I'm made in the image of God. There's nothing higher. There's nothing more precious. There's nothing more understandable and divine than that aspect. The third concept of this passage teaches us is that he defined us. He made us male and female. He created us male and female. And what's interesting, you notice these distinctions. In verse 20 and 21, there's a difference between the birds and the sea monsters. In verse 24, there's a difference between the cattle, the creeping things, and the beasts of the earth. He made us male and female. Distinct is how God made us. And then God made us unique from all creation, created in his own image. Again, unique and special. And God made us the pinnacle of creation. Two times in this passage, he says, let man rule over the creation, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky. Then at the end of the passage, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and rule over the fish, rule over the sea, rule over the birds, rule over every living thing that moves on the earth. God put mankind at the pinnacle of such things. Then from the book of Acts, God made you for these times. It says, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. Who determined that? God did. Why is it you're alive in 2023 and not the year 1023? Why are you alive here and not in the B.C. times? God determined these things. 
And so your race, your gender, your talents, your times all come from God. And when some are confused and they're searching, what they need to find is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who's going to help us with these things. In Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 11, the Bible says that God has put eternity in our hearts. Now, let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Interesting, right after the baptism of Jesus, Satan shows up. And what Satan does is he challenges the identity of Jesus. Three temptations are listed here in Matthew chapter 4. Verse 3, Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. You're God, aren't you? Why should God ever be hungry? Isn't God the top of all things? Yet you're hungry. Maybe you're not God. Maybe we need to rethink these things. Maybe you've been told that, and reality says you're not. Then down verse 5, the devil took him to the holy city and stood him on the pinnacle of the temple. He said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, he shall give his angels charge concerning you. And on his hands they shall bear, up, bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Once again, if you are God, you're not going to get injured, are you? God doesn't get injured. And so you claim to be God... Let's see it. And what he was doing was challenging his identity. And then in verse 8 and verse 9, again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and said to him, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Why doesn't the world do that for you right now? Why aren't you acknowledged as God's son? Why do you have to go about and prove yourself? And what's interesting is when Jesus' identity was challenged, how did he answer it? He did not answer it, this is how I feel. He did not answer it by saying, well, I know within myself what's right. Three times he says, it is written. He went to the word of God time and time again. Why are you hungry? It is written. Why are you not jumping off? It is written. Why don't you bow down to me? It is written. That is the answer every single time as we think about that. Now, if you will, take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 10. The section about the good shepherd. Once again, it helps us as we think about who I am, who you are in Jesus Christ. John chapter 10, it says in verse 1, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow them because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but they will flee from him, because they do not know the voice of a stranger. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what things they were being told, what he was saying to them. Notice three things. First of all, Jesus, the great shepherd, calls the sheep by name. Back in ancient Israel, he would name the sheep. And he'd say the name, and the sheep would follow. 
Where did you get your name? Did you say when you're 15 years old? I like the name Roger. There's not very many Rogers in the world. I think I'll be called Roger. No, that was decided by someone else, not me. I probably wouldn't raise my hand and said that. Years ago, I was looking up origins of names. So I looked up my name, Roger. It means one who chucks a spear. I don't know what that means. I guess a javelin thrower or somebody in Africa. But where does our names come from? They come from God. They come from our parents. And God has a name for us. Remember the old Jim Croce song? He had a song that says, I got a name. He says, like the pine trees winding the winding road, I got a name, I got a name. Like the singing birds and the croaking toad, I got a name, I got a name. All creation has a name. Where does the word day come from? God. Where does the word night come from? God. God calls us to these things. And so when we look at scriptures, God calls his people the light of the world. Matthew chapter 5, you are the light of the world. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, you are a holy nation. That's determined by God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you are the temple of the living God. And in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, you are sons and daughters of God. This is about identity. God has identified what his people are. Secondly, in this passage, it reminds us that the shepherd led them, and that was direction. Verse 4 says, when he puts forth all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. There is a trust. They know each other. There is a relationship. In verse 14 of this chapter, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. There's that relationship. Now, interesting, when you look through different philosophies of time, the Greeks would say, be wise and know yourself. The Romans would say, be strong and discipline yourself. The Epicureans would say, be sensuous and enjoy yourself. The intellectual would say, be knowledgeable and expand yourself. Materialism says, be rich and spoil yourself. Humanism would simply say, be capable and believe in yourself. But Jesus says, be a disciple. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. That's the concept we find here. The way of the cross leads home is what we see. And then the third aspect we see here is that the shepherd invested in them. And that was purpose. In verse 13, as he talks about the hireling, the hireling is not concerned about the sheep. Well, what's the opposite? The shepherd is concerned about the sheep. Verse 9, he brings them to the pasture. Verse 11, he lays down his life for them. Verse 12, he fights the enemy for them. He grants them abundant life in verse 10. Here is one who's invested completely in them. The psalmist would say in Psalms 100, verse 3, Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. And so as we wrap this up, let's go to two final passages, if you will. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And in verse 10. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. There the apostle says this. He says, Colossians 3, verse 10. It says, and you have put on the new self 
who is being renewed in the true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. God changes our status. We must change our character. Who am I? Who are you? You belong to God. That's the answer. You belong to God. Now in your Bible, turn with me to the book of Titus, if you will. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Here, Titus begins in verse 1. You'll notice again, he says this in verse 2. And verse 8, he uses the word sound. Now, the word sound has a lot of different meanings. Sound. I hear you. That's a sound. We knock on something. That's a sound. But in this context, he's not talking about noise. He's talking about health. We sometimes talk about a sound church, a sound Christian. We're describing healthy. And so he begins in Titus chapter 2 and verse 1. But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine, healthy doctrine. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, and perseverance. Older women, verse 3, likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, that they may encourage young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be dishonored. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds, with purity in doctrine and dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, in order that the opponent may be put to shame, having nothing to be said about us. We're living in times when people say, I just don't know who I am. I'm just so confused. I think I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. I'm a, I'm a man trapped in a woman's body. I just don't know who I am. Well, God says, I know who you are. I made you. And I made you just the way you are. You notice that some among us, that if this building was empty, they could hold a 30-minute conversation. They just talk. They're so easy to talk to. And there's some of us that if you say hi to them, they turn around because they're real shy. Is he still there? Because that's the way we are. Some of us can see things. Some of us don't see things. Why is it that we are that way? God has made you just the way you are. And so what he's telling us in the book of Titus is that men and women are not the same. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more next week. We're going to talk about a little bit of the biology, how we're different. But there's some spiritual ways we're different. And God's defining the purposes here. Men, you're to be dignified. Men, you're to be an example. Men, you're to be leaders in your home, first of all, but in the kingdom of God. That's what he's saying. And women, women, you're supposed to have a powerful faith. Some of the greatest people in the Bible were women. They were the ones who supported Jesus. They were the ones who were with Jesus. When all the disciples ran away, who was at the cross? The women. And the women are to be people of influence. They're to be people of encouragement. They're to be people who are helping other people by doing what God wants them to do. Men and women in the kingdom, that's how God made us. Unique, special, and defined. Now, when you understand this, and you understand, I belong to Jesus, that answers a lot of questions. 
I didn't wake up this morning thinking, oh, it's raining. I don't know if we'll go to services or not. It's raining. I made that decision the day I came out of the baptistry. I belong to Jesus. Tonight, we're going to have services at 5 o'clock. Well, should I go or should I not go? That decision was made for me a long time ago when I got out of that baptistry. I belong to Jesus. I'm going to be here. You show up in my house and you say a cuss word, I say, we don't talk that way in my house. You say it a second time, there's the door. I'll see you. Because we don't talk that way in my house. You show up in my house, we invite you over and you bring a case of beer. Goodbye. And take that beer with you because we don't do that. Those decisions have been made. That's what I want you to see. I belong to Jesus. You belong to Jesus. Now turn your Bible, if you will, the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 6. In my auditorium class, we're going to just walk through this here in just a minute. We're going to talk about these things. But notice how he ends 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, talking about a lifestyle, talking about ownership. He says in 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, Beginning with verse 18, flee fornication. Every other sin a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Now, verse 19, verse 20. Do you not know? And just stop there. And there's a lot of people say, I don't know that. I just don't know that. Do you not know, he says, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? So the bottom of my shoe doesn't say belong to Roger. Well, if, I, if I'm not my own, then who am I? I belong to Jesus. You see that? I belong to Jesus. Next verse. For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. I belong to Jesus. And once we understand this, God made you. God made you the way you are. Why are some of us so tall? Why are some of us so short? Why are some of us wide? Why are some of us so skinny? Why are some of us ha have all kinds of hair? Why are some of us have no hair on our head? Why are we that way? Now, we can talk about, well, your genetics and your parents and yada, yada, yada. But more than anything else, God made you that way. And God made you on purpose. And God put you in this generation for a reason. And God has wired you just the way you're wired. You go up to Miss Vicki and say, Vicki, I got a Bible question. Man, her Bible's open. Her mind's rolling. Because she is so sharp in the Bible. You see, that's just the way God made her. She's worked at that, but that's the way God made her. And so when we understand this concept, as you think at the very bottom of your outline, you don't have to listen to what other people say. You don't have to apologize for who you are. You don't have to be embarrassed for who you are. I belong to Jesus. Paul would say in Romans 1 verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Oh, you're one of those kind of people. Yeah, I am, because I belong to him. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not ashamed. Now, in our culture today, it's hard to change media because you won't. Hard to change corporate policies because you really can't. But one-on-one, -on -one, when you talk to somebody, and they say, I'm so confused about who I am. So no, you're not. You're trying to find something that's not out there. What you need to do is look up. Because God has told you who you are. And God has put you here for a reason. And that reason is not for yourself. It's for him and someone else. 
And when you get that, oh, that answers so many questions. That takes care of so many problems. Parenting becomes easier when you're saying, this is who we are. Marriage becomes much easier because this is who we are. Certain words are never said in your house, and it's not the D words as, as we think about the cuss words. It's words like divorce. That never enters the household because that's not an option. Why? Because we belong to Jesus. And once you belong to Jesus, I'm going to do what Jesus wants me to do. I'm going to walk where he wants me to walk and be what he wants me to be because I belong to Jesus. Now, for I imagine 99% of us in this audience, if not 100%, you might think, Roger, got this. But I'm hearing more and more and more within our fellowship, Churches of Christ, young people saying, I really think I'm the wrong gender. More and more I'm hearing that being spoken by other people saying, I'm a man, but I really think I should be a woman. And so what's happening out there is coming in here. And so moms and dads, one of the first things you need to impress upon your children are those six values from Genesis chapter 1. God made you this way. God does not make mistakes. And God made you on purpose for a reason. Now you got to find that reason. But that's how we're going to begin this series. We're going to go on deeper and deeper in coming weeks. But that's why I want you to see what an honor it is to know I don't have to figure this out. I don't have to stand on the fence post and say, well, maybe I'm really a bird. I'm going to jump and see if I... No. I don't have to jump in the ocean and say, well, maybe I'm a dolphin. No. God has determined that. And I don't have to figure out, well... Mother's Day, no one sent me a card today because I'm not a mother. God has determined those things. And once you get that figured out by God, you start plugging it in, saying, what does God want me to do as a man? What does God want me to do as a woman? What does God want me to do as a young person, as an older person? That's what God wants me to be. And so that's where we're going. This morning, if we can help you in any way, if you're not a Christian, you need to become one. And maybe one among us, maybe within your household, these discussions have come up. Pray that you'll look in the Bible and realize the God of heaven has answered some things. As you go off to school and go off to work, you hear all kinds of craziness today, as Danny said in the prayer. And what we need to do is say, well, you know, I know who I am because God told me. I know what I'm supposed to be because God has told me. And you know what? I'm not embarrassed. I'm not ashamed. I'm not making excuses for that, because that's the way God has done. That will help you as you walk through this life. Won't you come as we stand, as we sing?